Hello friends and welcome to the show. I'm your host Justin aka Just Tries and we're always talking vulnerability, learning and growth mindset. No sponsors just yet so go to justkeeplearning.ca for content and more episodes geared toward helping you not just set goals but achieve them too. We have a goal to help millions of people be lifelong learners and get their ambitions off the ground so be sure to hit us up and let us know how we can help. Our guest today has an incredible resume when it comes to helping people get clarity over what they want to do. She has specific skills in supporting people who want to be their own boss. While she has a lot of corporate experience and an MBA, she prefers her work as an entrepreneur. She's a speaker, coach, and consultant that supports people in finally taking that leap to pursue their dream work. She has quite the backstory of living in Romania during difficult political times, emigrating to Canada, and having to start over, but really making a pretty special comeback. You don't have to look any further than the testimonial on her website to know how many people she has helped. Like all of our guests, she's an inspiring example of pursuing your passions, doing what you love first, worrying about money second, and most importantly, being a good person along the way. We talked about growing up with struggles, resilience, and building a coaching business. Please welcome to episode seven of the Learned Podcast, Irina Boos. The first thing I'd like to ask is if you were introducing yourself on career day to a high school business class, uh, who are you and kind of what is your experience? Probably different than uh, what they usually get from teachers uh, because uh, I because what I am doing is not what they learn in school. So I am uh, that person who, who could help them uh, have life happening for them instead of having life happening to them. I help people see how much power they have, they can do it. They have it in them. And, and this is one critical thing we all need to know. And we need to teach kids from very young. And by high school, they should know that. So I would be the one to, you know, to refine the understanding of that side of them. But we all need to know that. Deep down, we all need to know that and to use it. A fascinating thing for the topic that we're discussing. I know a lot of youth uh, love the idea of starting a business and then adults too who get stuck in this sort of path that they thought they were supposed to go down and then they end up realizing that they would love to start something but don't know where to start so i'm sure you're helping a lot of people with that you have so many positive things to say about education in general the the good that it does but i know there's a lot of challenges too so maybe walk me through a little bit of what school looked like for you that's different to what some youth are facing today? Oh, even if I tell you, I probably cannot, I, I cannot paint, you know, a relevant picture for you because I, I did most of my schooling during the communist years in Eastern Europe, but I can give you the part of it that everybody can relate to. And that's how I felt going through it. Because, you know, we all go through our experiences, but what keeps us together is the fact that we all feel. And we, we, we can, you know, connect on that page. I've been through this very um, standardized type of, uh, of system. And um, I was not even one entity. I was part of a collective entity. And I was not even, not that I was not encouraged to be myself. I was, an, I was not supposed to be. That would be penalized. That was the experience of, of being, you know, somebody in the communist, you know, um, system and uh, school or any anywhere else that would be the same and then um i was a bit of a rebel all my my life in different ways because everybody has a different way to take it out but that really didn't fit me 
And I always had these questions. I, I felt like I was different from everybody else who could comply and I couldn't. I was a smart kid. I could do stuff, you know. But obviously, you're not good in everything. And the system is very good at telling you that if you're not good in everything, you're no good. And that was another thing that did not sit well with me. And I felt like it was not addressing my need to learn. It was educating us, but it did not address the need to what I wanted to know. And that refers to so much more than just academic topics. It's what do you want to know about life? How do you go about life? How do you um, learn about relationships? How do you start something? Mind you, they wouldn't want to teach you when I was in school how to start anything. You just had to follow what others you know, started for you. And uh, in many ways, society today is kind of the same over here too. And then going through school, it was then uh, the time when uh, regimes, you know, political regime changed. And that was the panic because I was not prepared to see a different type of world. I was suffering in that setting, but it was a shock and I didn't know how to handle this huge change. And I'm telling you how I felt because I, I think kids today could very well go through the same type of experience, even switching schools, because everybody takes it in a different way or they switch classes or um, it doesn't matter if that has such an impact on you that's how you feel and that's a shock and, and, and people think you know it's part of life deal with it and it, yeah it is part of life but that's not how you treat it and you're a person and you need first to look at how you feel if you want to be able to go further and do your best and then when I came to Canada I was 25 and I was not speaking one word of anything French or English and I live in Quebec everybody speaks French right um, it, it was very, very hard because also one of the principles of school today is competition. I cannot see anything that's worse than that for anybody. <laughs> it's really going to, you know, bring out the worst in people and, and pretty much bury what creativity they could bring to the table if they are a different type of person. It was very hard to compete because for me, there were added layers of difficulty. I had to make an effort to understand what it meant, make an effort to understand what to do with that figure out the solution and then make an effort to, to express it. So, and that would be, you know, MBA level where everybody, you know, is coming from home and from work and like giving, you know, in front of the class, this brilliant presentation and they're charming and charisma and everything. And meanwhile, I'm sweating bullets trying to put together a sentence. Not because I did not know. It's because, and again, this, this is how I felt. And I think this is what's important to share with people because what you do, everybody does, but it, doesn't mean the same thing for everybody and and you know what i all these experiences accumulated to the point that i you know i realized that it, it's too heavy it's too much it's, it's just too much it's not normal it, it's i don't think it's natural there must be something that i'm doing wrong and then it was much later in life when i actually figured out what was wrong we are not educated we are not taught how to process all those emotions and yeah, on the outside, everybody looks at you. What's wrong with you? You have a house, you have kids, you have a husband, you have like everything is, is nice. And inside, you don't want anything from life anymore, you know? And, and that I find, it hurts. It really, really, really hurts. But I think that's a blessing because feeling that you have nothing to lose is also a chance to start building because you're not going, you have nothing to trade. There's only one way and that is going up. Yeah, I think that story has been told and played out by many incredible kind of rises from what people saw as their rock bottom. And now they're able to go on to a talk show or on stage somewhere or in a video or a podcast like this and talk about how they finally got to that point where 
they felt like they had nothing to lose anymore. That realization. One of the things that's really fascinating is how you overcame all of that. And I know that for you, you did mention that it would be hard for other people to relate. And certainly we can't empathize with what you went through. But in terms of like the the logistics of what high school looked like in Eastern Europe, what was the style of learning at that time? The huge difference is that, again, you do not have a voice. So there was a lot of lecture. You listen to me, you say what I say, and you have no opinion. There was no workshop. You were not called out to say uh, that you, you might not agree. You cannot give another interpretation of the text than the one that was given to you. Basically, you did not exist in that setting. You were there to just, you know, memorize and or give back whatever they told you. And that's uh, really, um, especially at that age, is is really sad because that's exactly when when kids blossom. Right? That that's amazing. It, it's a very conflicted type of age. It, for many, is painful and uh, confusing. Um, but that's that's one of the best times in everybody's life because there's so much more potential. There, they you know people feel they they have the power to do stuff, and they are not aware of the huge, you know, so-called risks. Because later on, they're going to be taught that it's risky to to venture out and do something. And that's why I think it's amazing to, to encourage them at that age to start something. Uh, because they can do it. They can do it and we need them to do it. And I think that individualization you mentioned earlier, being a rebel or kind of doing your own thing throughout life. Did you have a feeling of who you were that was different than... Like, were you aware of what that version was? And, and what did you think that you were at that time? I remember something earlier than that. I think it was in fourth grade. And I always liked, you know, um, writing poetry. And um, I was writing and whatever the quality, it doesn't matter. It was my way to express my feelings in that type of world. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of propaganda. TV was two hours of TV every day. That was it. Only one channel. And that was mainly politics. I'm there, you know, writing my uh, my poem. I'm thinking, but why does it come to me, you know, to write about these other things? And it's not about the Communist Party because everything I knew, it was poetry about the Communist Party, you know. And for me, like, I see the difference. And like, but how about me? I mean, I felt like I did not belong. And that was when I was really young. And I realized that. And then in time, I really thought I could change the world. And I was a rebel. So those together, knowing, like not knowing even that it can be in a different way, I just had the feeling. And that's what we need to allow, you know, kids at that age to do. Use it. Go. Fly. It would be impossible for it to not shape you into who you are today. And I'm sure in large part, it's why you're looking out for so many people who are trying to figure out their lives too because you've been through difficult and and worse right as much as we can't compare these messages are close to your heart maybe do you see even though education is different here in canada than you faced some similar struggles growing up like that you don't understand it's painful you don't take it like that and i think this way people can relate again with my story because it didn't pain me i just went through it being my only option through life and what really hurt when is was when I when I saw there's way more to life and I didn't know how to cope. 
uh, that can happen today. You grow in a within a family and that's your world. And maybe your family is not perfect or like even way worse. But this is this is all you know. The shock is when you go out and you see there's something else out there and then you don't know what to do with yourself. The big challenge. The big challenge is the change, is the switch. When everything is upside down, it's not what you know anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I, I find there's a lot of good stuff about school today and here. I am grateful for what we have. Like, honestly, I am grateful that my kids have more than I have, which is obviously for every parent, right? But there, there are, you know, pieces, missing pieces. And I'll give you a very recent example. For my daughter, so she is, uh, would be eighth grade, right? I don't know what happened, but they streamlined the curriculum and they said, we're going to cut off some topics because it's too much and we're going to stick to what's really important. What did they cut out? Art, music. <laughs> and then we're going to focus on French and math. What people need right now, they need the art and the music. They need to rebalance. They need something for their hearts. So I find that they missed the mark completely on that one. And this is where the system, you know, is trying to do good things. And I appreciate that. But I think, you know, they're, they're missing um, some very important, you know, values. And what they teach these kids is, kids is that they, they, they have to be the best in class. So it's comparison, it's competition, it's performance, and it's complying with the rules. One thing that's so fascinating to me about what you just said is it really connects to that idea of, teaching and learning through connection, which both takes place in school as well as business. Why do you think art can be such an important thing for us to to use to help us maintain that mindset of chasing our dreams and goal setting and those kinds of things? We are not all created the same, but we all have the same type of ingredient. And, um, you know, the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain we all have those and uh, in our society um, all is valued is, uh, is the left side of the brain if you're analytical if you're performant if you do numbers you're good when it goes to the other side also because it, it it's hard to control it is hard to to say okay good or bad uh, right or wrong because it's creativity and that's really hard to classify in a way you know to you know to put a label on it that's kind of marginalized but the point is that you cannot be a complete human being if you do not express both of, of those sides of you. And some people have a lot more of the right brain type of skills than the, the left. And those are labeled as not performant enough in this world, which is completely unfair. We need them because you know what happens? You can be the best, the, brilliant, the most brilliant engineer. And you go home and, and when you sit down on your couch, you feel a certain way. You are a human being too. You do not represent just engineering. You need to be happy. And that's your other side of the brain. What are we going to do with that if there is, if we don't have enough people you know, to provide us with what we need for that? And it, now it looks like it's not a priority. We do that if we have a luxury budget. But for now, let's stick to the French and the math type of theory. You see, we just have to have a way to communicate in a different spectrum than just, you know, um, a verbal common communication and performance. Um, and you know what? It can be that you're the best uh, cupcake maker. So be it. That's your talent. And we need that. Honestly, I sometimes watch recipes. It's so relaxing. I, I love those people and they should have a career and they should make money. Do you understand? Like it, it doesn't even, it, it doesn't matter what you do. If there's one thing that you do well in this world and people, you know, like it or need it, like liking is a type of need, right? Um, you should just go ahead and do it. 
but you are stuck in these ideas that you're successful if you do this, 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 or that. It's a, you know, a, a finite number of um, of directions that you can take so that you're successful in life. Well, and I should have predicted that there'd be such a parallel between education and business when it comes to these ideas. But I'm a big believer that it's at least 50-50 in terms of being able to, and I, I think it's probably more important than 50-50 when we start swinging back to the priorities from English and math versus creativity and the right brain stuff. What do you think some ways that we could bring more of that into schools or businesses as opposed to just having the rebels go do it to make it more of a normal thing? One very important shift that we have to make in our kids' minds so we can function properly as adults is to let them understand that failure is necessary. Failure is not something that you punish. Failure is something that you need. I'll go back to the classical um, example of a baby taking the first step. And uh, probably the baby tried many times and the baby fell and you just ran to make sure that the baby is fine. You never said, you did not walk. You're going to be grounded. For one week, you don't leave your crib. You don't do that, right? And not only this, the first step is magical. People celebrate. It's like, yay, my baby walked one. Obviously, the baby fell the, the next thing you do, you know, it doesn't matter. The baby took a step. That's what you take out of that experience. But this is not how we function in our regular life because we grow up to think that only success is validated and failure is something that we should be ashamed of, not ever share with anybody, pretend it doesn't exist. If you try many times and you fail, you learn. You understand why. It's way more important to fail and understand than to actually get it right. But people don't understand that failure is important. And not only this, failure is a way to, to grow as a person. Because you learn things about yourself and you learn about how you react to that. And you learn and you, you get the, you know, the opportunity to ask yourself, hmm, I wonder why I react like this. And you learn about why. Uh, I've been a part of many uh, teacher educator meetings. Coaches in sports is a very strong parallel too, um, where I, I, I'm like, things are going too well. And it can be hard to explain to people this idea, right? I, I'll never forget, I was teaching a seventh, eighth grade split and a student came down, you know, celebrating that she'd gotten 100% on her third math test in a row. And it just brought me back to this idea where a lot of my high school football athletes would be the best in the town. And they think that they were going to accomplish all their dreams because we have this idea of being the big fish in a little pond sort of problem, right? And so I said to her, okay, well, then how do you know what to improve on? And she was just stumped, right? And um, we have this, this concept where getting 100% on a test is a good thing. And I think that is so limiting. It puts such strong constraints. And, and it's just one example of how we build our own mental jails for ourselves. Why do you think that there is a lot of value in starting your own business? Oh, wow. You know what? Even if you fail, I think it's the best thing you can do. Because trying that is you in the world. Is you trying to bring your voice in front of others. This is what is going to define you as a human being. This is how you learn about yourself. And, you know, the, the later in life you try, the more painful it is. But it's, it's an amazing process of um, becoming a very strong person. And not only what to do, what's my next move in my business, it's more how do I react to this? How do I, if I fail today, how do I wake up tomorrow and try something else? How do I deal with my own emotions? How 
do I make the decision? How do I manage my mind? And this is another very, very, very important point. How do I know how to win? And this is what we need to teach our kids. We teach them how to fail or that failure is bad. We do not teach them how to win. And this is, this is a huge part of my, of my coaching is teaching people how to win. And that is, you know what? When kids play in school, they say, say mean things and you know, one gets hurt and upset. Oh, it can take you a couple of days to get over it. Does it take you a couple of days to go over the, the excitement of having a small win? We do not teach them that. And the problem is that every time somebody, you know, tells me something mean, even if I'm in a business, I work on emotion. I need to learn how to replenish. I need to, to learn to how to be happy, how to celebrate and how to praise myself for what I do well and how I feel good. Small win is the first time you do it and you understand that you can actually be in control of your own emotions. Celebrate once again, right? It's like it's a compounding effect. Celebrate and it's in your hands. This is one thing that you, do, you don't have to depend on anybody to do. In terms of how somebody can kind of start failing in the world of business when they're younger is a better time to start because it only gets more painful the later you get. I think the byproduct of being able to better deal with our emotions, just an incredible example of what a mentor to me that he doesn't even know he's a mentor to me is like the internet mentor, you know, Randy Posh. He's the, uh, the person behind the last lecture always talks about the idea of head fake learning meaning the best way people learn in life is if they don't know that they're learning. And he talks about learning about emotions through starting a business or starting a project or taking on a sport or whatever. Do you think that everybody would benefit from starting a business? Everybody should try. You don't know if you're that type of person or not. You just need to. It's like, you know, your first love. You don't know. You have to go through that. It, it helps you mature as a person. You don't know how, I mean, how do you know you're made to be an employee, but you don't know that you're made to be an entrepreneur? Who tells you that? We just assume that it's okay to grow up and get a job. Why? Why don't we assume, assume that you grow up to be an entrepreneur? Why? It's a very simple question to me. Why? It's because we are taught to think like this. So by the time they become a lawyer or an engineer or a CEO, they know that most of, of what they could think of, it's impossible. They don't even give it a try. That's why I'm saying what we need today, we need to leave these kids at 14 and 15 when they have those ideas, go out and try them. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying all of them are going to be successful, but all of those are going to be beneficial. Ken Robinson talks a lot about how, as well as Brene Brown and Carol Dweck, how we, we every year over year after kindergarten slowly lose the ability to imagine and create. And I say we, I mean, it's just a common thing in the system that we have. If an adult were struggling with the idea of, I want to go start a business, but it's too late versus the, the young kid who we say should start, what advice would you give to an adult who's always been toying with that idea, but they've gone 30 years of not doing it? To me, I don't, I don't understand if it's a good idea. I think everybody you know works on a different timing. Um, and the way we conventionally measure time has absolutely nothing to do with uh, our personal growth uh, path. And I think some people are able to, to, to take that step when they're 14. Others, that they have completely something, something else to offer, they can do it in their 80s. And I think there's value in everything. And I think there's, you know, um, I think there's a huge difference between something that can be offered by a 14-year-old and somebody 
uh, in the in the eighties. You have so much so much to learn from somebody in the eighties. Everybody has something to offer, and everybody has something else to offer at every stage in their life. I think that the iteration part of it, the constantly recreating ourselves just in itself is going to lead to tons of lifelong learning. What I do know too, though, because I've talked to many people who want to start something, but they don't know where to start. So I think we would bring a lot of value to people if we kind of walk through an example of, sure, it could lead to complexity, but it can start fairly simple. Walk me through what that looks like. Clarity. This is one thing that, that we do. And it's also, you know, there are two sides. It's business, business skills and business execution. And it's also personal growth. People have so many different needs and you have so many ways to, you know, to connect with them and, and help them that way. And you should look at everything. And then formal education and um, in informal um, learning. Because now we know the difference between education and learning. And um, and uh, that together is going to show patterns. So you're going to see elements that repeat themselves in, in every section of this analysis. And that's going to kind of paint the story. And you'll have a couple of, of very clear directions, you know. And you could do this or that. And what, what I do with people, I come up with those ideas. Or they come up with that because it's all their information. I only organize it in a way that, you know, makes more sense to them. And then I let them sit with that. They have to feel it. They have to feel it inside. And they're going to know exactly what they want to do. And from that, there are the steps of it takes discipline, of course. Um, and that's why I think at the beginning, you need somebody to support you, to motivate you, and uh, to, to tell you when you're going to feel like giving up, to help you do what you need to do before you get there and you don't understand what's going on and you think that's it, it's done, it's gone. Um, and you're ready to do what you need to do, so you you go ahead. And you need um, an accountability uh, person. I like that. I I think one thing that's ringing throughout this whole conversation too is the idea of building that foundation, which is taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, your friends, the things that matter most as the the foundation. Your mindset, your your spiritual, physical health, um, mental health, all those things. Your emotions. Um, and I think that anyone that works with you would do really well and would benefit from their overall life. And then on the execution side, kind of picking a business or talking about something specific, it can be hard because you're going to do that hard work with everyone the first time. And I know that that's why it's hard for me to explain to people what I often do with youth, because it always starts with figuring out what they need. Clarity. Is it a job? Is it a career? Is it a vocation? Um, or is it a hobby or is it a combination of all of those, right? Like I have this conversation with every person that I work with and it always goes to amazing places. But before that, I couldn't tell anybody an example of where it might go, right? Um, and so I know you probably can't name names or specifics, but can you give some examples of businesses or people that you have worked with? I know people who haven't done it at all before are like, okay, you're saying business, but does my idea fit? What are examples of people you've worked with? That kind of thing. When it's going to work is when you when there are people who need it, that's going to make it work. And it does not matter what it is, like I said. And then every business is different. Even if it's called the same thing, uh, yours is going to different from somebody else's. And I can tell you, um, I'll give you a a random example of somebody that was completely lost. She was like in a hundred different directions, you know. We came up like she would be a leadership coach 
for women in um, NGOs. And of course, you have a lot more to say about that because you're talking about your ideal client and you have a complete profile of those people. And you also have a, a complete definition, crystal clear definition of your offer. And of course, you may uh, feel tempted to go in. I can do that too. I can do that. Yes, you can do many things. You do one and then you do the next and you do the next. And that's where business planning is very important. And you're going to set milestones. By the time, you know, I hit whatever that, I have already my first offer ready. In the first stage of your business, you have to be done with at least one. So you do one, you do it well, and then you go to the next. It's not like you're dropping it. No, no, you have it there. You plan for it. But you do one at a time. You learn how to do it right. And when your business is big enough, you can do more than one at a time. So, yeah, all those steps, you know, clarity and all that guidance is, is very important because people get lost. And then uh, when you don't know, um, I, I, I think it's very important to, to, um, to be shown. Naturally, a huge question that people have is how do I, to use the formal term, market this, you know, advertise this, to share this. But I guess the, the simple form that they want to know is, okay, I've crafted this offer. How do I get it to people? Does that look different depending on the type of business or do you kind of follow the same model with them? The principle is the same. The format is different and depends on everybody and their, you know, environment. But I can tell you one thing. People get um, trapped into this idea of um, extensive marketing at the beginning. The first phase of your business, all you need is cash. To be able to get cash, you need to sell high ticket items. The approach is going to be building relationships. And that is not going to happen. You don't, you don't even need a website when you start. So uh, I, I know it's a big disappointment for some. It's a big relief for others. But the point is that you need the money to get going. And that's how you start. If they weren't starting with social media, then where do they start? They could have, the, they could start with social media, but I don't think they need to build a group, you know, like a Facebook group or to have uh, Instagram lives every day. That's not the type of social media you need. You need to start conversations with people. You need to connect with people. You need to find exactly the place your ideal client is and to start conversations. Nobody's going to ever buy from you and, and unless they know you, they like you, and they trust you. To be able to complete the three steps, you have to start conversations, develop relationships, and make them trust you in the end. When they trust you, then you can ask them to work with you. But for that, it, it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Right. So through messages, phone calls like this, that kind of thing. Say, you know, you have a post in a group, whatever, it doesn't matter. And it says, I need help with this. And you say what you think it, it can be done. You give value. Like the moment... You know, people notice they're going to come back to you. They're going to know you first. Notice that you're always there and you always give value. They know about you and they, they know. And then you're going to have two groups of people, people who like you, people who don't like you. That's fine. You'll see that those who like you tend to reply more. You know them. You connect with them, right? You send them a connection invitation, whatever, whatever platform you're using, you know. And then you start a conversation on the side and you say, look, I'm doing this, whatever. And you, you, is there anything I can help you with? And this is one thing you really need to, to keep in mind. You cannot ask anybody for anything before you give them something. You need to serve. The moment you give them and the moment they understand that you have value, there is, you know, a, you can help them and they saw it. Then you can pick up the phone, talk to them and offer them what you have to offer. Well, I think it's an incredibly... A fine line and it's neat to watch play out in the world of business as the idea of online business grows for as a concept right societally you see more and more people following this exact pattern 
but they get there so quickly. You know, um, I met someone through Facebook a couple of days ago and then within like 24 hours, I get a message saying, Hey, do you need help with this <laughs> for your online business? They're just so far off on what I even do it, that it's, it's just an interesting thing to see people try and do that too quickly. We can serve our customer first. And the point is to serve people forgot that business is about serving people. They forgot that business is about meeting a need is not making money first. And if you do that right, you're going to have not money, a lot of money. If you do that right, it's serving first. But when you say uh, high ticket uh, first to get cash flow, what are examples of that? Would it be a course? Would it be like a coaching thing that's planned long term instead of just one hour? Or what could that look like? Services in general needs to be sold in packages. Because if you give me this many uh, sessions with you, I can do that. But every person is different, has a different pace different issues, different approaches. You cannot do that in one session. It's unfair to even promise that, you know? Yeah, some people will take you the money and do whatever they can with very good intentions. But honestly, I do not think that can happen. So, and it's also the relationship. It's different. We are people. If we connect, you know, things work. If we don't connect, doesn't really, you know? <laughs> so I think that's the, the high ticket refers to a, a package. It refers to a bulk of things that you can offer. But now it depends on what you're doing. It could be something that doesn't lend itself to, to this. If it's uh, photography, it could be something else, you know. It could be that you're teaching people how to set up the tripod. And that's your specialty. And that is fine. It's a one-time, but that is not going to be uh, um, the type of relationship I'm telling you about. That's going to be a course. And that's a different type of business. You can set up a fairly, you know, inexpensive that you can do that for a course. And it's a different type of marketing strategy you, you do with that. But in, it involves um, relationship because many people know how to set a tripod. Why would those buy from you? And how do you make them trust you? So they buy from you, not from the other guy next to you. So then that's where you're unique. And that's where you find the people that connect with you. And that's, that's where you as a person is going to attract those people who need to know how to set the tripod, but who have personal you know, um, values similar to yours, because beyond all these things that we show about ourselves, we feel each other. We connect on principles that are beyond our conscious understanding. And you are going to attract people that are compatible to you. What would be interesting is to kind of just before we move on from this and wrap up is talk a little bit about those differences, regardless of what they're teaching, what that could look like. So would it be like every Thursday they hop on a Zoom call for two months or what would that look like? In my programs, um, usually they go once a week, but some people can do some steps fast, faster than others, and uh, some others, they need more time. And I think everybody's different. All I can promise is the number of sessions. Of course, usually if you take on average of uh, once a week, it's going to be 100 days. But do not rush it because you want quality. You want this building to stand. For sure. I love that any good teacher to me has always, whether it's when I'm doing it for others or when I'm being taught myself uh, for a university project during my master's, I had to go hire a teacher. That was a project I had to do as a teacher. So that was kind of cool. And I hired a golf coach. Uh, we filmed it and we did six sessions. But one thing that stuck out to me with him that I think is different to a lot of people is that he wasn't like, oh, I need to see you again tomorrow. He was like, you have way too much work. Like you need a week or two 
And I don't want to see you until you've built that, until we continue building on. And um, I respected that because he easily could have sped it up and put more money in his pocket in the short term. And I think that's a really neat thing to make sure that you're being patient. And then, so you mentioned that if it was courses, it would look a little bit different in terms of how you market it. So for all the, the course creators out there who want to go that route, what would be some of those nuances? For a course creator, I can tell you that the biggest obstacle why people um, have the course in their head and the, the course never sees the light of day is because they want it perfect. The essential step is taking perfect action. Take action. That's the point. <laughs> and then, um, and it's also the second um, issue that I find uh, people encounter is that they do not connect enough with their uh, market. You want. They do not connect enough with what people really need. And they assume that people need that. And they have this, you know, ego uh, kind of encouraging them to, uh, to know better than the market. You really need to understand that you're serving others, regardless of what you're believing. You know, you are good, you can do it, and you are helping people. And then listen to them. Uh, that's why, like, you see how lessons for ourselves and for our growth are everywhere in this business uh, thing? Because you, you need to learn that. And for yourself, is amazing. After you learn that in your business, you're not going to come home and be a different person. When you learn how to listen, you learn how to listen. And nobody can, you know, unlearn you that. For those really struggling with the clarity, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. I'll, I'll often go into a jail and meet an 18-year-old, let's say, male who um, knows that he wants to start some kind of public speaking and coaching business, wants to be the next Tony Robbins, but doesn't really know where to start. You know, I get a lot of those. I get females in an addictions facility who know they want to be a YouTuber, like they, or at least they think they want to start the YouTube channel and they want to go that route. These are very common examples. Um, do you have an example of an activity or some kind of way that people could think about that clarity that you do with clients? I do that all the time. And I think uh, 98% of the people on this planet, you know, deal with the lack of clarity. And I think it's just natural. And it's something that, you know, um, it's a natural process that happens to all of us. And we all need help sometimes. And you do not need to feel any different. It's just normal what happens to you. It's just a stage. That's all. And, um, and I think uh, people in that position that you just mentioned, uh, they have a tremendous amount of, um, of uh, things to teach us and it's uh, it's very interesting my my daughter she's 14 she's been watching a couple of these youtube channels of a former inmate and uh, a female it's really it's funny that you're mentioning it you know <laughs> and um, i don't know at, on what level she connects with them but there is so much more to offer and it's not about the actual experience it is about uh, what you got out of it and people, I think, they feel like in, in a prison in their life. And they, they probably relate on that level. There's a lot, you know, they, they have to offer. And uh, clarity is something that um, you cannot push on people because it comes to you. But there is a process that, you know, there are questions. I'm asking you questions. And then those are questions that you probably avoid answering yourself. But when you come to me, and I ask you the question, you're going to have to come up with an answer. And there, there's also something else. Um, but I think everybody needs to be asked questions and help help to, to you know, get to the answers. It's the why underneath the why. 
why am I doing this? And I'm, I'm giving you examples like, uh, why do you want to start a business? Because I want to have money. Why do you want to have the money? Because I want to be rich. What does that mean to you? Well, that means that I can, you know, I, I have the social status. What does that mean? That means that I have access to whatever people. What does it mean to you if you have access to those people? That means that I, whatever. And in the end, to get the sense of belonging it has nothing to do with the money. For sure. I think that's an amazing place to kind of wrap that idea of helping people start businesses off because that's what it all comes down to finding that clarity, knowing who you connect with, who you can serve, as you put it, and all the other stuff matters less, I suppose. They're kind of the the means to get there. Is there anything that you feel maybe we left out or something that you'd like to touch on? So many things, but you know, one one message that I have for your audience is that please believe in yourself. We need you. The world needs you and stop judging yourself. You are good. And you are good enough. You you can solve our problems. Don't look at anybody saying anything different, okay? Don't believe anybody. You can do it and we need you. If you left one piece of advice for the next generation, let's say you were leaving just one piece of advice for your kids, what would it be? Happiness is, is an inside job. Do not look for answers outside. Nobody's going to ever make you happy. You can do it and you can do it yesterday. Yeah, that's it's. It's an amazing point that I think those who figure out, it just unlocks everything, right? It goes back to the idea of meaning and Viktor Frankl, uh, you know, discussing the idea of logotherapy and being able to uh, find meaning no matter what our circumstances are from within. I think that's great. One thing that you yourself are learning right now. Yes, that's a tough one. And I'm learning to let go. I am learning to be uh, the person I want these kids to be. Uh, because we get set in, in our ways, and uh, like I said, the, the you know the old, the older the the worse it, <laughs> it is for you, and the harder it is for you to uh, to feel free, and to feel flexible, and to uh, to allow yourself to be who you actually are. That's good. I look forward to seeing that play out for you and supporting you if you ever need it. What would be a question that you would ask me? What do you think is the first step these kids need to need to take when they want to um, you know they want to start something? Where do they need to start? What, like practically, I wake up this morning and I do what? The first thing that you talked so much about that I need not go into length again is the idea of finding clarity. But I think that that doesn't happen unless you're able to kind of let go of all of the protective mechanisms you have, right? So I would like to, if I could, get them into some form of going for a walk or shooting a basketball or doing exercise or painting, whatever they already intrinsically enjoy. And I ask them, I say, well, because they get stuck on this. Amazingly, people don't understand. They actually get stuck even just on this. They're like, I don't know what makes me happy. And so we just start playing with it, you know, is it and, and we find a creative pursuit or a mindful exercise. For some, it's yoga, meditation, fitness. But others, that's really difficult and triggering and brings up emotions and bad things. So, but picking, picking what it is that allows you to relax the mind and then having your, what are your big dreams? Let's drill down for clarity conversation on the backs of that exercise for them, I think would, would be helpful. Yeah. And then, I mean, just do the work. Right. And that's why I use my handle on social media as just tries is because that's the point that I want to get across is that you don't know that you want to be 
somebody who plays a piano and sings for a career, you might, but you got to try it. So I think that's right away is taking action, um, imperfect action or perfect action, like you said. The last question is quite simply why and where people could find you if they wanted to come connect with you. Right. They can uh, find me on my website. It's uh, irinabuse.com. It's I-R-I-N-A-B-U-S-E.com. And uh, they can book um, a conversation with me. That's, uh, I have complimentary discussions on, uh, on what's to be done. And I also have packages for uh, young, young people who uh, want to start up something and uh, many other things. But I think it's important to just connect and see where we can take it from here. Of course, always the best place to start. Just want to say thank you. You're kind, generous with your time. And I know that so many people would connect with you on a level that you could bring a lot of value and help to their businesses. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for the chance. It's a pleasure. Of course. Always fun recording these. All of our guests are doing incredible things. And it's hard to get these amazing stories out to the world. So please do pass it along. Thank you to our guest, Irina. She's another great example of helping people own their dreams, especially if you're scared, but thinking of starting a business. It's our goal to have this in every school in the world. So please do subscribe and leave reviews, but most importantly, pass it on to someone who you think could benefit from the show. Until the next episode of the Learn Podcast, all the best. And remember, just keep learning.